Blog Talk Radio. How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Figure Four Daily. It is Thursday, July 31st, 2008. Alrighty, as you guys could tell, that was a jab at Mr. Brian Alvarez. Welcome to the July 31st edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ. This episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com just released two new shoot interviews. The first is a double disc with the Ballard brothers, Shane and Shannon, and they also had a second disc bonus matches. So, uh, yeah, that's 20 bucks, and they also put out a, a shoot interview with Mr. Michael Modest, uh, two hours and 45 minutes of fucking goodness. Uh, that's 14.99. You can get all that information and all that other stuff at WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, also, our other sponsor, FogCityWrestling.com. Keep your eyes out. Uh, supposed to be having TV August. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I have on the line my co-host and tag team partner, Mr. Alex Saint, and I joined hey, by both my those favorite. Both interviews were done by upcoming host KZ. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I conducted the interviews. Cover, but, maybe. You know, got to put myself over, right? But uh, right. I have my tag team partner Alex Saint on the line, and I have my favorite job guy, Buddy Wayne. How you doing, buddy? I prefer the word uh, enhancement. <laughs> Enhancement. Well, you 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 watch the you watch the Mike Modest shoot. So obviously, you know you you know where you're going. You know. Yeah, no, I don't care. Job or just pay me. You hey, you know it, it's a janitor. Cornette used to true. call you and he'd go. It, Cornette, when Cornette was in charge of the thing, he'd call you and he'd say, uh, "We're looking for." He didn't say enhancers. He said extras. And then he'd go, oh, fuck, you know what I mean, jobbers. You know, fuck, you got any jobbers up there? Fuck, fucking. He's doing this whole thing. But uh, um, that Mike Wallace shoot, was, that was good. Yeah, I was, was laughing fun. because he was telling, stories he was telling, I was there. Like, he was telling the story about Calusa and the night before we were in Clear Lake. And I remember all the stuff with Jim Gorman. I couldn't remember Jim Gorman's name until he said Jim Gorman. And, uh,. Oh man, those were fun times. I remember the thing. And I knew, I knew uh, he was. He was talking about uh, uh, Dean uh, Fugate. I knew him as, as Damian Knight. He came to Portland as Damian Knight, the albino guy. Yep. So <laughs> X-Lax, brother X-Lax. Oh, that was funny. I remember that. I totally remember that. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal. So, <clears throat> awesome. what's up? Awesome. Not much, brother. Just uh. We're gonna have a relaxed show. Uh, we're gonna do is gonna open up the phone. We're gonna open up the phone lines for the whole show. Um, area code three four seven two one five seven nine four six. And those that are listening, we're gonna play trivia because I would love to give away some WrestleWarehouse.com merchandise. Um, so, buddy, uh, are you working this weekend? No, no, this weekend, no. Huh. No, wow, nothing, uh, nothing. Uh... Nothing this weekend. I got some guys out there right now. I got three guys out in the. I got guys all weekend like training, but uh, stuff slows down out here like in the summertime, especially when it starts to get nice. Because mm-hmm. in Washington, when it gets nice, it's rare. You know what I mean? So it's like P 
people people want to go outside and they go do shit and, and so guys they're always leery of running stuff on the weekends and and uh um I was gonna go to Portland for uh for uh, Josh Barr, Sandy Barr's son, but then uh Richie Magnet who runs a show there, he's going to he's leaving uh tomorrow morning for um Sturgis. So I ain't going, but uh I'll be here. Be here at home. You know, is he? Is he? He's going up there for the bike rally, right? He, yeah, yeah. He's you know, he may he may run into Brock Lesnar up there. He was there. Uh, who 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 is he? The last, he goes every year, but uh, he was there when. Uh, um, oh God, Goldberg kind of fight with his girlfriend, his ex girlfriend or whatever. Got in the big fight with his girlfriend there in front of everybody or something like that. But yeah, he sees a bunch of people. He sees everybody there. Jay Leno made his uh, pro wrestling debut actually at uh, Sturgis, wasn't it? One of the Road Wild. Yes. Oh, did he? Yeah, he, he could have. He could have. Yeah. Jay Leno, uh, he had a historic uh, wrestling career. Didn't he, he have did. like two matches? He really did. I would, I would think so. I mean, how many people get to uh, get to wrestle on WCW pay per view? I mean, yeah, that's that only headline. David Arquette, uh, Dennis Rodman. You know, the elite guys. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> God, tremendous. Bad stuff. Dallas, what happened to What happened to Dallas Page? Yeah, I don't he's know. working for Pro Wrestling Unplugged in a couple weeks in Philly. Oh wow! I just say, it's so un, it's so unreal to me seeing Goldberg do commentary for MMA shows now. It's uh, oh, he's he? very knowledgeable about MMA. Huh? Huh? Well, I'm I'm going to give the office to Alex. Alex, it's your opportunity. To do what you've always dreamed of, and that's interview Mr. Buddy Wayne live on the air. Oh wow! Alex, have um, I met you before? Excuse me. Have I met you before? No, you, you've not met me. I've uh, I've inquired about your school a couple of times though, because uh, I keep I keep wanting to trip up there to Washington, but things don't always work out. No, Alex, say I thought I was I was thinking I'm because th- you said the name I'm trying to think who Alex it's, it sounded familiar but I was like ah did I ever work with somebody named Alex Saint or <laughs> oh wow no not quite <laughs> but uh, yeah huh where are you at? are you at in uh, San Francisco or are you in that area oh no I'm in I'm in Southern California oh are you yeah uh, San Diego actually San Diego oh. okay. <laughs> Okay. Is your name yeah, Alex Goff? Yes. I know who you are. Why did you say that? <laughs> oh, no. That's, uh, is, that, is that a good or a bad thing? <laughs> no. Buddy, 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 we only use work names on this show, okay? No, because I remember you said something. You might be coming up, and you were in San yeah. Diego, and, and, uh, and, and I asked you who was down there, and, and I, you were actually the one that said there's a group, SoCal Pro, that that's the only way I knew the, guy, the, the name of the group when – the Coca-Cola thing was looking for a, someone in, in San Diego. And I remember, oh. I remember you saying, okay, there's a group down here. And I'm thinking, God, who in the – SoCal Pro. So I'm looking around, and then I found it, and I went, oh, okay. So, okay. Alex, why did you say it was you? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry okay, about that. You know, get, yeah, actually, uh, there's, a, there's a Lucha show. We're doing another Lucha show. And uh, funny funny story is uh, I was uh, actually uh, – I've been training now for almost a year now. And um, – I was actually booked to work the Lucha show here in San Diego, but then uh, I got called into work. So oh. um, I actually had to leave. But then uh, they're doing they're doing another one in L.A. and then I was I'm booked for it, but maybe work might come up. But uh, uh-huh. 
Hopefully not, because, I mean, it, oh, man, because uh, one of my friends actually got to work it. And they actually, you know, the crowd just went crazy, you know, because uh, you come out throwing the tortilla at them, and that drives them wild, you know. So uh, who, who runs who runs down, uh, other than the SoCal Pro, is there like a Lucha group, or, or do they, um, they just do Lucha? In San Diego, there's one, one Lucha company, and um, it's, uh, it's, it's historic. It's, uh, it's, it's very historic. I'll say that. What's it called? It's called uh, LLI, Lucha Libre Independe International, and um, uh, hmm. it's, it's very historic. They bring in a lot of Tijuana guys. Is that the one that... Because this is Tijuana, the guys would be good, but they're yeah, not. Yeah. They're horrible. Is that the... Is that the yeah, yeah. Is that the uh, the guys... I, I remember, like, uh, uh, Tim Patterson and those guys going down for somebody. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 he just... I think he started running in uh, 2006 or oh, seven. Yeah, he's a he's a newer he's been around the scene uh for a long time. He knows he knows a lot of people. Uh but he I, I don't I just know of him running shows the past couple of years. But uh he actually brought in Ray Senior and uh, Ari Romero and uh Ari Romero's kid down here to work a show on Sunday and then uh so we didn't get paid. But uh he took yeah. us out to the buffet afterwards. So yeah. it was that's actually a little bit better than a payday sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least yeah. you got fed. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, sometimes your payday don't get you fed. <laughs> exactly. That's all that matters. Just get some food out of it. <laughs> I remember one day, uh, I'd heard the phrase, the road will own you. From uh, who, who came up with that phrase, by the way? The road will own you. Um, Leo uh, Burke. Leo Burke could have. Ed, Ed Moretti always said it, the road's going to own He always told me that, and I was like, nah, never. Oh man, you know, but Ed Ed said that, but he's always said it. Always said the road's gonna own you, and, and it, it might it might have been the road The road owned him, but it fucking owned us all. Anybody, if you you know what I mean, if you make it to make it around a little bit, or you make it to fuck at you've been to places the fucking road. Not not I don't mean just like these guys that go on these shows that are seventeen hours from home for one show. You know what I mean? The road, you know, like working every night, every night, in different, t- you know. Oh, my God. I could only imagine. Because I was going to say, I have, uh, like you were saying, like, uh, you know, different towns, but just, just one town. Uh, I, I went up to, I went to Los Angeles to work a show. Well, one time I, I went, I drove six hours with my trainers for a show just to, just to yeah. hang out, just to be there, you know, just to meet people, you know. That's all right. And uh, I met uh, Red Rum, Johnny Straboli, who was a, who was a, a prick. But, um. So I went. To, I went to the show, and then, you know, I was I was all down. You know, I just started. And I was all I was all willing to drive and stuff. But um, I actually worked the show in L.A. for a friend uh, for a benefit show. Uh-huh. And uh, I actually had to work that night because at the time I was working night crew. So I had to drive after. So we went out to eat after the show, and then uh, we were driving back from L.A. Then I had to go to work, and then I was like, wow, like the wow. road, the road, the road will own you. The road will I can only imagine you. going show to show to show, different towns, but. Just yeah. in that little instance, I was like, "Wow, the the road the road will own you." Yeah, I don't know how God. I don't. Even, I couldn't do that shit nowadays. But yeah, no, that's that's what the whole saying was like. You know, fuck out. We used to do like I'm just saying like other territories were bigger like Bill Watts, but BC we used to do we do fifteen to two thousand miles every week. You know, mm-hmm. it was like just go 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 go. You know, and then you're home, and if you're lucky, you got Friday night off. Because Thursday night was so fucking far, you got home in the middle of the day, Friday, and Saturday was always the the Cloverdale Fairgrounds, and then Sunday you got off to start all over again. Monday, and sometimes you had to leave on Sunday to get to Monday. You know, oh goodness, it was just like you know, starting all over again. But 
But the, oh, the progression back in those days were just, you know, I, I imagine you felt like you, uh, how, how did you feel about your progression in the early days? Like, did you feel that you were coming up how you were supposed to? or? Yeah, because, well, the way I looked at it was there was a, uh, there was, I think, I, I, if if I can recall right, it was 22, there was 22 or 23 territories going full time at, the, at when I broke in in '85, mm-hmm. and um, if you got booked in a territory, I mean, just 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 because you were a wrestler didn't mean you were on a show, you know, or mm-hmm. you, you couldn't get into a territory. You couldn't, you know, just like say go to Portland for Donald and, and he'd use you. If you got booked and you were on the road. I was at, it was actually something, you know what I'm saying? You, mm-hmm. I always felt like, wow, that, you know, this is more than I really expected. It, I was 17, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you learned on the road, and that, that's the way it was. So I felt like you, you, you accomplished something because I know there's a lot of guys. I remember, I remember, and I might have told this story last time I was on the zombie show, but um, Lex Luger sent a picture from, from uh, Florida to get booked. For Al, because he, when he got trained, I guess he said, okay, now you got your pictures out there. you got to get out and work. And uh, um, he sent a picture to Al. And I remember this, he had an 8 by 10 He was dressed like a, like, um, like, like a Conan or something like that. But he had a chick on each leg, and he had a, like a fucking lion on a leash thing. It was like, like the most elaborate pictures. You know what I mean? For a mm-hmm. promo picture. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this whole story. I... I I played Canadian football. I did this. I did that. Blah blah blah. Sincerely wrote uh, Larry Fole his name, no phone number. And Al Tomko took me into his office at the Colorado Fairgrounds. And he goes, "You see this?" And he goes, "No phone number. How do I get a hold of this guy?" And he threw it right in the trash can. <laughs> and I remember thinking, "God, what an idiot that guy is!" But the guy had, a, you know, he looked awesome. But I remember, uh-huh. "Geez, what a moron!" And then about you know a year or so later, seen him on TV. And I'm thinking. That's the fucking guy. What the fuck? Mm. Well, maybe I did something wrong. No, but no, just back then, you were just lucky to be booked. And I remember guys calling from Kansas City trying to get in or guys from different parts of you know Calgary that were getting let go in Calgary or, or not happy in Calgary trying to get in or guys would come here from Portland you know, to get time away from Portland and try to go back to Portland. And you were just lucky to have a spot. So I was happy to have a spot. That that seems like uh, listening to a lot of older interviews. That seems like the the kind of the deal. Like you started out in the territory and you were kind of rotten. You were learning your way, and then uh, when you when you got to be decent, you kind of had to leave. Is, mm-hmm. is that kind of the way it was? Or mm-hmm. yeah, basically it was. See, you, you didn't really even start out in the territory though. You, you if you were lucky, I knew a ton of guys that would Al Tom would run TV with twenty or thirty guys. Mm-hmm. That's the only time you'd ever see them. You'd see, mm. other than than the the six or eighty, the, usually eighty took on the road, you know, and a referee. You never saw those guys on TV again. They just they were just came on TV and did did jobs. Mm. And I never realized, fuck, they don't get a chance to go on the road. They were that, you know, they they weren't whatever they were, he wasn't looking for or whatever. And he had a rest. Al Tom got a wrestling school every summer for for two months, and he'd always have thirty, forty fucking guys there. And you'd see him at the wrestling school, and you may see him at a TV, and and they just never made it. And and you really had to get a, if if you started somewhere, yet like like Don Owens, he never wanted he never wanted guys like Billy Jack Haynes and and Scott Ferris, guys who were from Oregon, Richie Magnet, guys who were from there. He never wanted guys when you, when you were born there, from there, because you were mm. you were going to stay. And they, and they always thought 
if you stayed and learned the business, you'd run, you'd run opposition. So, hmm. so your best thing was to to get broken in and get the hell get the hell out if you could, which they all did, you know. Hmm. Scott, I, and, uh, Scott and Billy went to Calgary, and Richie went to Hawaii. So, right. It seems like today, like uh, the East Coast is just where where you need to, where you need to get. I guess I don't. I like. I have a friend who actually. Uh, He's one of the, he's one of the trainers slash guys who takes moves on a the upcoming Hulk Hogan show, and then uh, uh, this guy he's a, he, I mean he's a he's a hell of a, a little worker. He's been he's been wrestling for three years, and man, I just I, I'm just impressed every time I see him. But it's like he's working the same shows every single weekend, and it's just like same guys. Yeah. And I just like I, I, I like uh, he just actually came back from a trip from Europe. Like uh, the guys who trained him, uh, the other shooter interview got sent the Ballard brothers. They uh-huh. actually trained the kid uh-huh. about three, three or four years ago, and uh, I, I, he actually just came back from a trip to Europe. The Ballers took him out to Europe, but it's just like you know, you gotta seems like a, you gotta break out. You know, you gotta you gotta change your surroundings if you uh, yep. get too much of a grind. You know, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta get out and get. I mean, even the South like that. You know, it's like you can go to Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, that area. You know, Kentucky. Um, I mean, the shows, there's two shows a night, probably, mm-hmm. you know, five nights a week. If you can get on them, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. getting around and, and being able to get on them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And that's what the guys at Ricky Morton's do nowadays, and the, or the Tracy's, Tracy's mothers. mothers. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. You, those are the guys making the money. If not, oh. if you, I mean, just because you're on a show will make, mean you're making no money. You know that. Right, right, oh, right, right. And so it, you try to get you try to get around and, and make some money, and maybe if you can work a double shot, get some, you know, make make some money. But get away if if you ain't that good, get away. So when you, if you if, if it's time to come back, they go, wow, man, this guy's improved, you know. Oh, there's guys who, uh, especially down here in Southern California, you know, uh, the Los Angeles area, because Southern California is really Los Angeles, and then San Diego, they're just. Uh-huh. There's a couple of promoters down here just trying to start something up. They're they're in their first and second years of promoting down here. Right. And then uh, Los Angeles, there's just so many guys who uh, are waiting for WWE to either pick them up that they don't leave this area. But oh, if they God. left yeah. the area, my goodness, they would get bookings because it's so expensive to fly out of, out of California. Right. It's so expensive. It's horrible. And so if they would just leave California. Like uh, my perfect example is like Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe don't work down here. Right, but if he does, he, I mean, he'll he'll increase anyone's house down here if if anyone books him. Huh. It's a rare occasion when they use him, but he lives he lives in Los Angeles. Doesn't work in Los Angeles. Huh? He's only working in the East Coast, and I mean, yeah. he's he's one of the smarter guys around here. You know, yeah. He's like even uh, like Cass, Frankie Kazarian. I mean, he's not increasing houses up here. You know, because he he works here. You know, once or twice a month, and then uh, they just see you. They see you too much. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 Yeah, you just gotta, especially when you're starting out, man. You can't do it for the money. You gotta just, you gotta do it to get better and what you know. And and WWF's gonna, they're gonna know you're out there if if, if you know what I mean. If, mm-hmm. if you're that good, they're gonna know you're out there. You know, it's not just it, it is being in the right place at the right time sometimes, but but you just gotta fucking just grind it out, grind. Like Nick Dinsmore is a perfect example. You know, right six. Uh, six, seven years he was on a developmental deal, you know? And, oh, right. And just sitting, and they just had nothing for him, you know? He just stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck, you know, worked all the shows he could, yeah. and stuck it out, stuck it out, and finally they came up with something for him, so. Right, right. Yeah, if you're just sitting waiting for, for 
you know, AWF's going to call because John Cena came out of here or something. You know what I mean? Or, or I don't know who else from down there, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there, hey, they're going to call, or they look down, you know, you'll be sitting the rest of your life. You know, every day goes by, so. Who who were some of the, the, the good workers that really, because I know you spoke in the past about Rick Rogers really taking you up under your wing. Who was uh, who were some other guys that really just took you up under their wing? Um, uh, Buddy Rose. Um, it was how, how was that for Rip and Buddy? Because uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I know no, no. Uh, you spoke about how you've seen Rip before on television. Oh, and, and I know buddy. you've had to have seen Buddy on television. Before. Yeah, I grew up. So how was it when those two guys were taking you up under their wing? Well, it, it's like zombie, like like talking about growing up and and watching Roy Shire. That's all we we had. We had All Star Wrestling, and I, I live in in Everett. And I'm about ninety. I'm ninety miles from the Canadian border. You know, so I got I got all I got all star wrestling out of Vancouver, and I got uh, uh, big time wrestling out of Portland. That was it. Mm-hmm. I never I never got WWF. I never got um, uh, um, NWA. You know, we didn't, not until after I was in the business, really. Oh right, right. Um, or Mid South or none of that. You know, I go I go back. My family's from Texas, so we go back to and then I'd see you know you go back there and you'd yeah I'd see like. Um, um, San Antonio, and, and I'd see um, uh, Mid South, and somewhere I'd see Von Erichs, and I'd be like, "Oh my God!" But it was just Buddy. I mean, he was the, the measuring stick out here. You know, he mm-hmm. was just—he was the man. You know, he just there was just something about him. You know what I mean? And then Rip, for him Rip, to be a top guy for all those years, all I mean, those that, years, it wasn't done. No, no, and and, and I, me- I remember like going like they'd run like every other Wednesday, they'd run uh, Seattle Center Arena or mm-hmm. Seattle. Yeah, I think it's called Seattle Center Arena. It's a small arena, not not the key arena where the Seattle songs play, but it seats like oh, five thousand, six thousand. You know, and and every every other week, you know, Buddy be on top, and you know, he put two thousand people in that place every other week, and it was like Buddy and Andre, and then the place would be packed, or or <laughs> Buddy and Buddy and uh, Buddy and um, and Rip Oliver against uh, Tom Pritchard and Hack Sawyer, and just I just grew up just watching. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. watching and just watch and just he, there was just something about him and Rip Rip when Rip came in and and this was '76 I want to say when Rip came in no one looked like him physically you know Rip Rip had an unreal body and it was like wow my God you know and then uh, but I always remember those days I always remember that and then yeah then to get to meet him then I picked just totally I you know remember when you did this you did that you did that, and I asked him questions and did explain stuff to me so. It was cool, and Ed Wyskowski, same thing. Colonel De Beers, mm-hmm. watched him a lot, and um, um, God, who else up here? Uh, Ed Moretti was big in in Vancouver for Al Tomko. Watched Ed a lot, and uh, Tim Flowers, same thing. You know, mm-hmm. and we go on the road. I'd beg him. To, I, I'd, I'd go on the road as a ref when I mm-hmm. when I broke in, and uh, he'd let me ref, and and. Uh, I'd beg these guys to get in the ring and just teach me stuff. And they, okay, God, just shut up. So they'd get in the ring with me, you know, before the show, the ring would be set up. It'd be way early. And they'd get in, and, of course, I'd be taking bumps, but they'd be telling me why. But then I get to, I was in there getting to watch them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then my first real my first real trip with Buddy, we were partners. We came down to California. And I'd, I'd never really been a heel, you know. And Buddy said, it's going to be easy. You just fly. I'll do the I'll do the heel shit. You just do the flying stuff. And, and uh and that, I drove down, came back with him, and just picked his, his brain the whole time, and oh, it was the best, the best. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a name for you, buddy. 
Yeah. Steve Pardee. Mm-hmm. What do you think about yeah, Steve? Um, I just, I, I, I only knew he he grew, he grew up like around Ed. He's out from where you're at. Yeah, yeah, he's out that my area. way. Yeah. Um, he was a good worker. I mean, he was he was uh he was kind of underneath. He was underneath here, but uh, um, in Portland, but but he go in there with Buddy and Buddy. I mean, I see Buddy going through with Mondo Guerrero, and 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 you you thought you thought. But you know, Buddy makes these guys look like like they could fucking beat anybody, and uh, he did he did that with Party. I see him do it with with uh, with Mondo Guerrero. He did it with so many guys, uh, Ron Ritchie, and uh, Party. I didn't really know him. I didn't I I didn't really know him. You know what I mean? I just heard just new stuff of him, and he was a good good worker. Just just kind of your everyday kind of guy. So. Mm-hmm. Those that are listening, we, we do have open phone lines for the whole show. It would be area code 347-215-7946, and we'll be playing trivia in a little while. Um, you see, I, I was at a Lucha show the other weekend. This oh, is just a uh, little, little story for me. I was at a Lucha show the other weekend, and speaking of uh, heels, and uh, this heel, he, he was a, he's, a, he's just starting out or whatever, and then uh, he, he bumped the face like every – like uh, he, he wouldn't work a hold. He just he just kept bumping the face, bumping the face. Right. And uh, oh man, it made me. I was laughing hysterically. I felt so bad for the guy because uh, the the face he's been working for a couple. Of, he's been he's been working for maybe a couple of years or whatever. But uh, I was just I was just laughing. So he just kept bumping him and bumping him and bumping him. Well, you gotta then, ask, then you gotta look at the baby face and go, why you, why are you doing that then? Why yeah, why why? Because the guy he knows better, you know. Yeah. Like, why why are you letting him let making me take all these bumps or whatever? Because the guy, I mean, he would uh. You could see you could see that look in his eyes, and then uh, he yeah. hit him with a German. <laughs> well, I, I grew up like Chris Colt was was always opening match here, mm-hmm. but he was so good. You know what I mean? There was just mm-hmm. something about him. He was so good, and I never never realized until I got in the business how good he was. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. God, that guy you know, that guy was the guy who who jerked the curtain, kicked that show off, and was yeah, awesome. He he, he was a pretty- lot like um, in the eighties NWA, the Italian Stallion. He was that okay. type of a, a higher-tier job guy that would actually go uh, on tour. Because uh, Chris oh, Cole also did that up here. You know, I, I remember Chris Cole had a pretty pretty good program with Bob Roop up here, and that was pretty brutal, where yeah. uh, Bob was just, just killing the guy. And You know, but you got to understand, that that's how they started out the Shire shows. They were an opening match program. Um, Cole would come out and get his ass handed to him, and then he'd, you know, uh, slip on a banana peel and get a win. Well, yeah. always solid, and he, he was a higher end job guy. So oh, he, yeah, he broke Colt in the really Yeah, Colt, I mean Colt. He when I, I met him, I met him in '87. I want to say he'd already been in the business 20 years. You know, and he, mm-hmm. he was uh, he was Don Fargo's partner, one of the Fargos, and then he was one of the, the you know the Comancheros, the Hell's Angels, or whatever they called them. He'd been to England, been everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, just one of those guys, just like his reputation. You know, he, he had that party, he had that that reputation for he was crazy, but his work exceeded. You know, he, he was booked all the time, everywhere, mm-hmm. England, any, any place you can think of. So yeah, he was really good. Well, let's 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 talk about um, my father's personal favorite worker, uh, Ray the Crippler Stevens. Um, what, what do you think of Ray? I liked him. I I I didn't get to see a lot of him. Like in his prime, Ed, Ed Moretti always tells me stories about him, oh. and, uh, and you know, I mean, just like just how good him and, and, and Patterson, you know, back in those days. But I never, 
I never really got to see him until I, I saw. I actually saw him. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the AWA days. Like I, I think he's like a commissioner or something like that. And they they bring him out for six mans. Or, was he? They bring him out for like six mans or something like that. And and, and yeah. he, he was getting older, but he was great. I have to say, cool. uh, the WWE DVD. They had a tag match with a uh, Patterson and Stevens. Not not Patterson. It was a uh, Botwinkle and Stevens against Ganya and Brunzel. I've seen it. And, Oh, that match was that yeah. match was great. Was it like a two out of three or something like that, or it went on for a long time? I I, I don't remember if it was two out of three, but I just remember that match being great. I remember the opening spot just being great. Yeah, yeah. God, it was good um, though. The, oh yeah. There's one there's one rare match that a friend of mine, Kevin, up in Canada has has uncovered. It was from Winnipeg, and it was Rick Martel and Tito Santana against Brunzel and Ganya in a scientific mm. tag match for 20 minutes, and it was mm. just a wrestling clinic. There was not one yeah. punch thrown, and yeah. it was just wrestling. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it, it, Cornette gives, gives his, gave his students, you know, a certain list of matches to watch and stuff. I think that that yep. match should be on there as well. Just it, It's pure wrestling in, in its purest form without the baby face and heel. It's just guys going out there, you know, grabbing a hold and working for yep. 20 minutes, Yep. You know, and that, that's what I miss nowadays. I, I don't oh, yeah. know about you, Alex, but yeah, I, I miss that that type of type of work. But yeah, I just mm. I don't even understand. Uh, I don't even understand a lot of guys today because like uh, I always get made fun of because I tell I tell guys if you if you want to if you want to really understand a tag match, you know, you got to watch uh, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. Oh yeah, that's yeah. it for me. You know, any '86. Yeah. You know, any well any any uh, NWA was always partial to me because. Uh, I just grew up. That's what I grew up watching. I, I guess I, looking back, I guess I was lucky now. But uh, for some reason, my mother liked to take me to every show that happened at Spartanburg from the time I was born. And uh, so I mean, I just I like uh, actually someone asked me the other day what one of my earliest memories were, and then I have two early memories. It was uh, me being three, being in a stroller going up to a Kmart, and then uh, watching Bash '86 and uh, the lights going out in my apartment when Flair's music hit at the beginning of the War Games. So wow. I mean, I just grew up watching. Uh, no, I'm only 23, but I mean, I've watched wrestling since I can since I can remember. And then uh, watching then because uh, you know at the time living in Spartanburg, I mean that's all we that's all we got was NWA. And you saw the and I watched Oh, now now I realize it. <laughs> you know, but uh, at the time now, you know, going back because I remember watching WWF on tape. You know, I don't I don't remember a lot of the storylines that because you know they would do the pay per views you know every every couple months or whatever. So uh, the in-between storylines, like with Hogan, I, I wouldn't know. I didn't know until now, going back watching DVDs of it. But, yeah. um, I mean, I grew up on the NWA. I grew up on Flair, you know, all those guys. And, man, you know, that was a, that's what I go back and watch. Now, because actually it's funny because uh, one of my friends who, uh, me and him, we, he's one of my uh, riding partners. I take him up to L.A. and we go meet people and uh, we try to get booked on shows. But uh, he actually just started watching wrestling in 2001. And so uh, he likes to go back and watch Wrestling from 2001 because that's what he first started watching. But uh, right. I, I go back and I, I, I make him watch the stuff, you know, from the 80s and the Mid South and the, yeah. the Portlands and stuff like. Because I mean, that's that's what that's what it is, you know. Yep. That's that's what it, it ain't. It ain't what it is today. It, no. That's what it what it is is what it was then, you know. I, I got a guy here tonight. He's 19, and, and I, I made him watch all the old the old uh, uh, Midnight Express stuff. Midnight Express, Rockwell Express from uh, right, right. South. Midnight Express, Fantastics, all that stuff, you know, just like, you know, just like, you know, you know, just what, just, 
if you sort of just watch this stuff, you're going to see the best. You know, like why Ricky Morton sold the way he did. Why, you know, and, yeah. and the, the, getting the juice and, and the people crying. I go, that's what it was about. You know what I mean? Right. And, they, they, and that's why they pack places. That's why they can go every night. WBF, they're like a, they're like a, you know, Ringling Brothers now. You know, they, 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 they can't come to a, a town once a month. You know, or oh, did you did you hear that quote from uh, Steve Carino? It's a uh, it's floating around YouTube with a uh, Steve Carino and Terry Funk shoot interview, where Carino did WWE TV, and they uh, oh no he did a dark match for WWF, and they asked him to work uh, Harry Smith, and they gave him six minutes, and they said you're the heel, get over, and Carino was saying how 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 do I get over if I'm the heel in six minutes? You know what I'm saying? But that's what it's become. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would like I would like someone to answer answer that question. I mean, how do you how do you get over in six minutes? You know, unless you want to if if you bury the guy. I mean, if the guy don't know how to sell, then you're not going to get over anyway. Yeah, you know? exactly. You just eat him alive. I mean, and there's really nothing you can do in six minutes. Especially if, if the guy Carino. doesn't sell, although you're still not going to get over. I mean, you I mean, can hit the guy Carino with every move in the world. Sweat. You know, Carino needs 15 minutes to break a sweat. You know, and yeah, it, there's so. nothing he really can do. You know, and, and it it's a shame. You know, it's a shame that Karina was born ten years too late. You know, he would have fit right in. You know, in uh, that's just uh, not Karina. That's 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 just the way. That, that's in po- what they what, that quote. I would like to see anyone try to pull that. I that just that still that that quote just confuses me. How do you get over if you're heel? How do you how do you get over if you're heel? Period. But then in six minutes. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. Well, I mean, if, if you're if you're a good heel, I mean, you, you get the face over, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you're. And with Harry, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Uh, Harry, Harry needs it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. a lot of the problem today. I mean, you're watching uh, WWF TV or whatever, and then uh, it's a, it's a couple of the guys that really know how how to get the face over. You know, the face is drawing you the money. You know. Yeah. I mean, period. Okay. I mean, the face is going to draw you the money, and Cena was lucky. If Cena had all those good good guys who were willing to put him over and make him look real good, you know. But then now, I mean, uh, I don't I don't even watch it now. But I mean, you can just tell by the I mean the way people people are talking about it, you know. I mean, there's just no good heels, you know, on, on top on WWE right now, you know. Oh, all right. Before we move on, um, I'd like to throw throw some shout outs to uh, Big D, Big D and the Super Friends, the newest podcast uh, to the AngryMarks.com family. Uh, Big D's debut show earlier this week was pretty damn good. Plus, he had me on, but you know it was it was pretty good. You can check out the uh, AngryMarks.com podcast family, AngryMarks.com. And on the line, I have the wrestling radio whore himself, Ed in San Antonio. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey guys, what's going on? How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Ed? San Antonio. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Um, yeah, I just wanted to come in on and uh, plug my show real quick uh, tomorrow night at. Uh, you have a Santa show, Ed? You have a show? Yeah, you didn't know I have a show. I'm already going to no, be. No, I don't. I don't. I don't visit the board anymore, man. The board is the most ridiculous thing in the world ever. I mean, goodness Christ! All they do is 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 bitch about. I don't even know, man. I have to. I don't even know. How come you haven't asked me to be on yet, Ed? What's going on? Oh, I'll get because you on, on the too. board. Actually, if you want, you, you can call on you can call on tomorrow. My my co-host is only going to be on for half an hour, so okay. But uh, 
But yeah, I've been doing a show, dude. I've been doing it's called the Drunk Cast on uh, Blog Talk Radio. I've been doing it on uh, Fridays at uh, ten in the east, uh, seven in the west, and uh, okay. tomorrow for the first uh, half hour when I have my co-host, we're gonna be re- uh, we're actually just we're mainly gonna be talking wrestling and we're gonna be re- reviewing this uh, Mexican midgets. Uh, last two uh, big matches, and uh, I'm not talking about the midgets from uh, CMLL or AAA. I'm talking about the midget from uh, Seattle, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, Brutal. we're going to re- review his shows, and then I'm hopefully be taking uh, calls all night long, uh, hopefully, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be an okay show. You know, basically I just – Drink a few beers, and I encourage my callers to drink a few beers, and we just talk about whatever the fuck's going on, and uh, just try and have a fun. It's just a fun show. It doesn't serious, and uh, you know, just try and have a good old time. So Ed, I, I have Buddy Wayne on the line. Do you have a question for Buddy? Yeah, Buddy. Uh, uh, what what exactly? I I I know your your big thing is you like to take like the the the, the pill gimmicks, but. Uh, yeah. How, how how big is like um uh I like to get high uh smoke weed uh how many how much weed do like the wrestlers smoke is that like a big drug of choice or is the pills more of the main thing that they smoke to relieve the pain and and just get by? I don't mean to cut you off, but speaking of weed, I just saw Cactus Jack get on the second rope when Van Hammer was outside on the concrete and do a sunset flip. So if he didn't need some kind of gimmicks after that. <laughs> <laughs> the road I think I think I think guys always smoked weed from the guys I was around was because it you know what I mean you could just go somewhere and find it whereas getting pills it was it was a lot harder you know what I mean you had to go to a doctor or you had to know someone who went to a doctor which was a pain so but I knew a lot, ton of guys who smoked weed ton of guys and probably still and, do uh, and uh, how about how about like co- cocaine? Is that like a really big prevalent drug? I know you, a couple of your, you talked about a couple of stories about uh, on the on the three or four dailies about a few guys doing coke. But how big is that like uh, all around? I mean, all around is that just a big drug drug of choice too? Or no, I but I, I don't know anymore. But I, it used to be. It used to, you know it's just one of those things like it was like a speed like an upper. You know what I mean? It was like a, when you had to be up to drive to the next town. Yeah, or yeah, you, you know, know. Just, you're dying and and. But that was, you know, that was so long ago. But now, nowadays, I have no idea. I mean, these guys nowadays, I mean, their thing is they go out to drink. You know what I mean? Going out drinking a beer or whatever, you know. I'm I'm a firm believer uh, that that marijuana does have medicinal purposes. Oh, we know you are, Casey. We know, we as, know, as, as we know as, your thoughts. As far as, as, far as the, the body is concerned, um, during the modest, modest Shoot interview, he talked about um, his knees being bad, and then he started – smoking pot and then yeah. now his his knees are tolerable where he doesn't yeah. have to take any any painkillers and he says that you know you can pop a gimmick and then your knees will feel better right then but if you're smoking steadily and you're able to then your body adjusts and and you know it, it's a better cycle and to be honest i think pot is a hell of a lot lot uh better for your body than some of the other chemicals these guys are taking Oh yeah, could yeah, hell it could I it was never my thing. Pop was never my thing just because it always made me depressed or made me tired. You know, like weird like t- not good, you know, just like weary. Yeah, I couldn't function. But when if you've had surgery or or you know, anything like that and, and you gotta take some, I mean, you gotta make it through the day, you gotta make it through the day. People take aspirin for headaches, they take the the 
ton. I'll pee him to sleep. Whatever you got to do, you know what I mean. If 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 it's what you got to do to function, great. You know, I don't I don't you know I don't think the you know whatever the fucking crystal meth or that that bullshit. But yeah. but pot, I have no problem with that. You know. Uh, let, me ask, let me ask you one more question before I gotta go here. Uh, we always hear on the Brian and Vinny shows. We always hear Brian and Vinny talking about how horrible Vinny uh, was. And in your opinion, how bad was Vinny? I mean, are they just, like, over-exaggerating, or are they telling the truth when they say that Vinny sucked at the ring? Oh, he would, you know what? When, when, and and I've got, I've got uh, tapes of this, but when I work with Vinny, I always work with him in tags. I never worked, like, singles match with him. He always was good. He was always, I mean, he, he was your every, every guy. He had the, he was just average-looking, no body, but he was always there when, it, when he had to be, you know what I mean? If you had him do something, he was always there. He was always, he never forgot a, a spot or if you called a spot or remembered it or he knew exactly what his role was, he never complained, he never hurt, he ne- never got hurt with him. So I, and I was like Vinny. That's what, I, I hated him when I first met him. I hated him, just hated his guts. And he was just the guy who got Brian's newsletter, grew up with Brian. Never, he wasn't in the business yet. So he thought he knew everything about wrestling. And then when he got trained, he totally changed. So I never had any problem with him, never hurt me, and uh, and he's funnier than shit. So I always like Vinny. I have to say, the, the early, for me right now, I mean, early, early in my, in my wrestling, the most annoying thing in the world is someone not being there for me. Like uh, when, they, when they bump and they sail to an awkward place in the ring. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? That is the most uh, – that'll – that just drives me up wild because the, why would you sell in between the middle of the ropes in the corner? Why would you? Yeah. Why would you? What, what am I going to do to you there? No, Vinny. Vinny was always good. He's a hell of a wheel man. Vinny's a when I Vinny's a hell of a wheel man. I give him that too. You could be fucked up and he'll he'll get you from a town. He get you home. So <laughs> hell of a wheel man. And Anything uh, okay, else, before Eddie? I. Yeah, uh, let me uh, uh, buddy. I am pretty much going to be on the waiting list for your shoot interview that comes out, and just please don't hold back on Brian. I just hope you bury the the living hell out of him. <laughs> if someone did, us all no, no. I, if I swear, if I if someone ever if I did a shoot interview or anybody cared to hear what I had to say, I that's the last thing I'll ever do. I never hold back. I hate I hate that shit. Just say it the way it is. You know what I mean? Oh, Hawkeye Talk Man held back on Brian on his uh, shoot interview. Did he? Oh, yeah, he did. He said he wanted to get into yeah. a story, and then Brian said he had no idea what he was talking about. I wonder what it was. I don't, I don't know. Okay, mm. I do have one, one last thing before I hang up here. Hey, buddy, um, you know how I put this uh, Vegas convention every uh, together every year. What are the chances that you might uh, make it in and be a little celebrity guest for us one year? I would. When did you guys – you guys just went, didn't you? Well, not yeah, we went on, in, in May. Yeah, it was on Memorial Weekend, and it looks like we're doing it again next year on Memorial Weekend. I might, I might, I, man. I just, I, I don't drink anymore, and so that's the only, that's the only reason why. Like, you know, you go to Vegas, man, and you're just, you're wrapped up in that whole thing, and and uh, I don't drink, and I don't want to start drinking again. <laughs> so, um, but I'd love to come, man. I'd love to come, and it looked like I saw the pictures. It looked like you guys had a fun time, so. No, put me down. I'll, I mean, I, I I come on out and maybe hit a show or something, you know. Cool, and you wouldn't have to worry about the gimmicks because I'm sure Mike Sawyer would be more than happy to hook you up. With I know Mike Mike Sawyer. If, if you if you talk to Mike or if he hears this, Mike's always saying that 
they always pro- Mike come, come through with me. I said, I even told my drive. I drove to Vegas one time. I told him I'll drive. You can get a hold of us uh, and GHB. So uh, Sawyer, don't fucking uh, go back on your word. Come through for me. But yeah, Ed, no, no, set it up, and I fuck. Uh, I'd love to come. I'd love to come. Look, at you guys have a good time. So. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you all you guys later. Thanks, Ed. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. I am here. Phone? Oh, are, we, are, we still, are we still live? Are we still live? Ed. God, he's funny. Is uh, KZ here? I'm here. Zombie. Oh, okay, awesome. awesome. I'm, I'm here, guys. I... I have an um, apartment business going on as well, so I'm okay, managing awesome. my apartment building and running a radio show. Oh, speaking, but, uh, speaking of speaking of uh, people taking you up under the wing, uh, I have a I have a story. Like uh, there's a there's a guy up here named uh, Rick Drayson who used to he used to wrestle in uh, the L.A. territory. He used to wrestle in a couple different territories. Yeah, but uh, one day I, I was eating lunch with Rick, and um, he told me he said that uh, when you're wrestling, you need to give the fans enough. To where they'll want to come back and pay to see you wrestle again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, is that not like uh, every day? I swear yeah. that is like I'm trying to figure that out. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's the one thing. I feel if I figure that out, that I'll figure out wrestling. You know, is how no, that's, to that's give a match to where. That's the truth. I see. I mean, he's got like like TNA, and and, and if I see uh, a TV show or a match, you know, I see. I've seen a match, and, and it's like you see these guys do so much shit you don't want to see anymore. You know, mm. I don't want to see the pay-per-view, or I don't want to see whatever it is, you know. You or, know what's the worst is when a company puts you to sleep, which uh, that Ring of Honor, that puts me to sleep. Yeah, know? yeah, like two, Brian gave me some of those things, and uh, I watched one of them. It was like 800, you know, they're doing moves that they should have killed somebody or, right. you know, and, and then they kick out, kick out, and you're just like, you just want it to end. It's like right. a movie, you know, like a, like a good movie going two hours, and it goes two and a half hours. The last half hour killed it. I'm I'm waiting for the spot where they they bust out the gun. That's what I'm waiting for because if, yeah. if you're not if you're not going to die from the third the third head drop. Oh yeah. And I mean, uh, what's it going to take? It's yeah. like uh, something else is like the guys what they're what they're imitating was is that all Japan style. But I mean, as you know, I mean. Chono wasn't from all Japan, but, you know, Chono, I mean, how long did Chono wrestle before he was doing matches like that? I mean, I, was he dropping you on your head in the, in the Maritimes? I no, mean, never, but he had, a bad, he had a bad neck, I remember, from, from right. training, from his training, and he was 20, mm. when I met him, he, I was 21, I think he was 24, but mm. uh, he had a bad neck, but he was the, they sent him to the U.S. to get trained, and I remember he, he went to, he went to, uh, originally to, um, to, I think, Luth was in Virginia or something, and, and he was so like that guy. Was so, and he could have killed you. I knew he could have mm-hmm. killed me, and and I'm like, oh my god, please, you know. He was so e- easy, so mm-hmm. easy. So, if you're making the money, like 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 you see those guys like um, like Steve Williams and, and even Terry Gordy, who was who was oh great, yeah, was known as one of the, the lightest guys in the world. But they they turn it up a notch there. But oh, they're right. making that money, you know. Right. You were making seven grand, nine grand a, a week, like those guys were, and they you got to turn it up. You turned it up, you know. Right. When you're here making fifty bucks, if you know, okay, let's bring it down a notch. I tell I tell you, like uh, when when I'm training, the one of the funniest things to me ever is when a when a guy walks up. Uh, mind you, I've only been training for a year, but uh, 
when a guy walks up to me, he's like, I want to try something that I saw in a highlight video. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. I tell the guy, you don't, you don't know, usually I tell the guy, you don't know how to use that. You need to figure out how to use the headlock takeover. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, a headlock takeover in a match, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it can, it can get whatever you're trying to accomplish, that can, it can get it over, you know? Yep. It's like, uh, for example, this guy, uh, this wrestler down here, I don't know if you, he's a, his name's the Human Tornado. He was telling me that uh, one time he was at this at this bullshit show, you know, this is a bullshit show, uh-huh. and so he decided, you know, just fucking around that he was a uh, there was a there was a guy that was gonna put him in a sharpshooter, and he said that uh, while the guy had him in the sharpshooter, he was gonna have a girl in the audience flash flash her titties. So uh, he told her about the spot, and the guy that was flying the sharpshooter didn't know about it, you know. So uh, when the sharpshooter came, you know, the girl flashed her titties, and the guy, you know, just let go of the sharpshooter. He started. He started walking to her, you know. But I, I imagine that got a pop, you know. But I mean, yeah. is that is that you know is that is that is that right? Is that wrong? You know. I mean, if I dump a guy on his head, you know, that's that's gonna get right. a pop. You know, that that's the thing that's misleading is because the guys they're like, you know, how come I can't dump you on your head when I dump the other guy's head? It gets a pop. I'm like, well, you're, you're not gonna dump me on my head. You know, no, you just figure out something else that's gonna get no. the reaction that you're looking for. You know. Yeah. Look at Darren Drobsdob. I mean. Yeah, I mean, one 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 time, D'Lo Brown does that does that fucking thing, and he does it to Darren Drozdov, and now the guy's uh, paralyzed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, fuck that, dude. You got yeah. somebody else's life in your, you know, or or, or their physic, you know. Fuck that. No, mm-hmm. no. So, yeah, guys don't protect protect guys like they used to, and they. Oh man, I just don't get it. And it's just uh. How how common was the phrase back in the day? I'm gonna tear the house down. How common how common was that phrase? I never I don't remember even hearing it. Really, I'm gonna tear the house down. That's I something I hear every show it. now, and I don't even know what it means. No, because... I remember promoters saying like tear the house down, like you know, or bring that, you know. But but uh, I, the guys never said. You always knew you when I, anyways when I broke in. I, you always knew your spot on the show. You know, like you knew when you were the first match. Here's what you do. Uh-huh. And, and and you when you're in the second match, okay, maybe you can bring it up a little bit, or third match, bring it down. Intermission, give them good a good a good match, to, but because right. you're going into intermission though, and then, but but don't do this. You knew you knew. Here's the main event. You know they're gonna juice. They're gonna do this. Whatever they're gonna do. There's a run in. There's a this. There's this. You knew exactly what you're supposed to do. First match, you weren't you weren't fucking doing dives. You know out of the ring or you know. Right. You you knew exactly what you. What, what was expected of you, what you could do, couldn't do, and that's the booker's job, you know. And it was all, don't do this, 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 because the main event, they're doing this, okay? Right. I, I was at a show last week. I was at a show a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to this guy who's been, he's been he's been wrestling here in SoCal for a while. His name is Johnny Webb. And then uh, Johnny was telling me that uh, he was supposed to do a run-in in the opening match because uh, in this promotion, they always do a run-in in the opening match. And then the kid, the kid that was wrestling in the match, told him after the third Tiger Driver, I want you to come run in. And then they they thought it was a joke, like okay, okay, after the third Tiger, he's like, no, seriously, after the third Tiger Driver, I want you to run in. And it's like you're in the opening match, you, you yeah. know? Because I mean, have you? I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I remember you know going to a show as a kid, you know, even, even sometimes still today, you know, depending on what time the doors open. I mean, you're waiting for that show to start, you know, because usually when they open the doors, you know, the show won't start for another 30 minutes. So you're just ready, you know. Right. You're ready for a match, and that's what people don't understand is that they just want it in the opener, you know. Yeah. That's where I'm stuck a lot of times. I'm just starting out, you know, the opening match. Yep. And the guys 
just want to see you wrestle because when they waited kid, for an hour, two yep. hours to see it, you know? Yep. When I was a kid, I remember we, I'd go to the Seattle Center Arena, mm-hmm. like I said, and, and it, the lights were up, and it was a, it was a little – it was a hockey arena, you know, and, and lights were up, and you'd be – you never saw any wrestlers out. Nothing. You'd, be buying, you'd be buying popcorn and all that stuff, and, and all of a sudden – the lights would drop, and that light above the ring would stay on. As soon as the lights dropped, you were in your seat in a second, and you just mm-hmm. you just wanted to see wrestling. It was, and it was, and it, you, you know, you always got, uh, you know, Chris Colton, who else? Ron Ritchie or Chris Colton and Party or Chris Colton, you know, and you were like, you're just happy to see wrestling, you know. Uh-huh. You didn't expect to see uh, Juice, and you didn't expect to see. You just wanted to see wrestling. You were excited, and that's, and they did it, you know. They they uh, they went out there wrestled. Did whatever they're supposed to do, and then and now they set the tone for the rest of the night. That was their job. So. I went to a I went to a show where uh, it was that show a couple weeks ago where the opening match they did every move that has ever been seen to man. Oh yeah. Oh, and then the second match went out there, and they had a good a good uh, a good match, but the fans yeah. didn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have been that second match, I'd have went back there and whooped that first match's ass, you know. Right. Right. Because I mean, they put, if you put together a song, I mean, it was a. Re- I mean, because the the one kid, uh, he's been wrestling for about a year, but he's for his for his he's he's real good. He's 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 real good. And then the other guy, I mean, he's 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 pretty good too. And then I mean, they went out there and had a real good match. You know, if it had been the opener, you know, the the fans would have went all over it. You know, but because right. the first match went out there and went crazy. You know. Yep. Um, and that's what they don't understand. It's it's so individual now. Instead of worrying about trying to how are we going to get this house up, you know? Yeah. They don't show. realize, you no. Know. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah, about the show, right? Your right. your first match. It's this. You're setting up for the main event. Now it's just like first, it didn't matter. First match, they're doing their shit. Doesn't matter what the main event's doing. I know you're. I know what you're saying though. Right. Because, I mean, like, uh, just even me just starting out, I mean, the, my biggest, because uh, I, I work heel a lot of times. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really feel comfortable working space all that much unless I'm working with a heel that I know is going to take care of me. You know, like I work right. with the trainers, you know, because they're, 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 I mean, they're, they're good heels. You know, they'll take care of me, and, I mean, they'll, they'll walk me through the match. But a lot of guys, they'll just leave you stranded out there on an island as a face, you know, and then you look stupid, and then it's, it's just, you know, I'd, I'd rather work heel because it's just a controlling thing. I'd rather I'd rather call the other guy's spots and then call my stuff, you know, just because it, it makes me feel, you know, a little bit better, you know. Yeah. And then, um, so when I'm working heel, you know, I mean, that's my main concern always, just, get, just make the face look good, you know, because I mean, that's that's yeah. the thing that the guys don't understand today is that if if the face gets over, then you're over. Then you're over. Yep. Then you're over because that face he won't because if, especially when when he works with somebody else he'll notice it. It's because he won't get the same reactions that he's getting with somebody else because that guy is not really trying to put him over. Yep. Yep. Today's wrestling. I, I swear. I'm, Brian always talks about how he was born too late. That's why I feel like I was born 20 years too late. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got on the very we're, end. We're, we're gonna uh, we're gonna play a little trivia game. And uh, the person that can answer this question, I will give you a prize pack from WrestleWarehouse.com. What do we have here? We have a Best of Eddie Guerrero DVD, and we have a Mystico Lucha Libre mask, and the Rubber Guard Radio Archive. So (laughs) what we're going to do is uh, the person that can answer this question, who won 
the New Japan IWGP League in 1985. Oh, wow. If you can answer this one, area code 347-215-7946, I will hook you up with some WrestleWarehouse.com swag. So as you were, sirs. Oh, man. I mean, this is so Alex, much to... Uh, Alex, you're a bitter old man at 23. I, I tell you, I tell you. It's, my problem is, is that I just don't enjoy new wrestling. That's the problem. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest problem is that uh, I listen... Because even before I started training, I mean, because, uh, I mean, Buddy's been doing shows for the F4W website. I got to tell you, that's... Uh, I have to tell you, Buddy. I mean, that's the that's the biggest thing that's taught me a, a lot is, you know, listening, listening to your... Uh, snippets on the radio show you might not realize it you know but uh i guarantee you if you've been a big influence to me you've probably been a big influence to many other guys you know oh no thanks man no man i still i still i it was funny you you and you brought up uh, uh uh rip rogers i talked to rip at least once or twice a week on his usually when he's on his way to to uh train the guys at ovw mm-hmm. and if i have any question or i have any you know what i mean or or there's gonna be a show or if i think hey what do you think about this I always mm-hmm. run by Rip. Like, you know, like, hey, hey, set me straight on this. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Or what do you think of that? You know, and 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 let it. And he, he always tell, tells me the way it is. Okay, what if you did this this way or this this way, and then you did this? You know, or that? You know, I always, I still to this day. I mean, the guy, the guy taught me so much. I mean, it's I can't even just. I mean, I can't even describe it. It's like. Um, we we we'd go to like show we'd be on the road you know like the, the closest town was like a Monday night in, in the Maritimes we were a half hour away mm-hmm. um, Tuesday night we were an hour and a half away Wednesday night we were two hours away but always in different directions mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Rip never drank never did nothing but I dr- I always was drinking right so mm-hmm. I I drink beer on the way home and and we we try, always try to get home before the the, the club closed and so he'd go uh, get your beer and come over. And he lived next door to me in the apartment next door to me. And so I'd grab my beer, go over, and I'd just sit there. We'd sit there until 3 in the morning, and he'd be explaining stuff to me. Or or watching, he'd have tapes, you know, like tapes of, okay, now watch this and watch this and watch this. And just show me di- stuff from working different places, you know, and this is why this worked, and this is why this worked. And this is, and, and I'd just sit there and just in awe, like, you know, I'd been in business at, when I met him at this point at three years in 88. Mm-hmm. And it's just like going, going, starting all over again, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, I owe this guy everything in the, in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a show up in Los Angeles where uh, I had to actually drive one of the guys back to San Diego because well, we both live in San Diego, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been wrestling. Uh, his name's Baby Slim. He uh, he was actually involved in that that MTV project. He's been wrestling since about '99, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he's one of the, the veteran guys around here. You know the you know one of the newer veteran guys. You know you know right, and then. Um, I got to drive him back, and then uh, he was he was saying, you know, thank you for driving me back, you know, because that's what he understood, you know, I was driving him back to San Diego, but I was saying thank you, you know, for letting me drive you back to San Diego because, you know, sure. I got to go over with him, you know, concepts or matches and just, you yep. know, whatever, you know, psychology yep. and, uh, you know, what he had learned from what guy because uh, he's a guy that uh, he, every time WWE is comes to uh, Los whenever they do the West Coast Loop, you know, yeah. He's gets on the Los Angeles and the San Diego show. Yeah. Not not to get signed by WWE. It's just so he can learn from yep. the guys. Yep. You know? Because uh he said before this, this past loop, he was in there with uh, Beth Phoenix 
and a couple other guys, and they'll just sit in there and teach you. I mean, you you know better than me, buddy. I mean, what what's it like when WWE comes to, to your part of town? You know, I, we said when, when the first time I ever worked for him, and and, and Mike talks about it. On, uh, Mike Modest on a shoot interview was '91. My first time was uh, June of '91, and I'd never, you know, I've been I've worked TVs. But ne- nothing like this, you know, nothing like this scale. This is like this, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, this, well, this is you know, how huge. Arco, or Arco, right? the, the first night, yeah, I was in the Sacramento Arco, and the second night was Fresno at, uh, was it Selden? Selden. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and um, I remember just being there and just like how, it was unbelievable, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, and, and. You kind of just you just kept your mouth shut back then because and, and this was way this ninety one there there was not one guy in the ring there was not there was not not nothing like going over spots or doing you know I mean can somebody explain that to me you know I mean what are you what are what what are they going over you know? I have no idea I have no idea <laughs> I have no idea man but, but yeah there was not nothing like that the ring was the ring was set up and was just sitting there there was right, no, there right. was even. I think there was guys maybe kind of around it, like on on the phone, or I remember um, uh, somebody down there, like uh, Mike Rotundo, reading a book. Mm. But that's it. You know what I mean? Right, right. You just right. mind themselves. You just kind of mind your own business, and and uh, if if some if, if you got to work with someone good, you were you were you were lu- you were lucky. You know, you just tried to, you know, you hoped everything was good, and and they asked you back, and we got lucky, and they did. They asked us back, to, and we we got to go a lot of places with them. And um, you get to work with different guys, and then you get your name. You know, they they see you work with this guy, so you got to you know, like I work with uh, Razor Ramon, and then because of that, then Shawn Michaels worked asked to work with me the next time. You know, okay, he worked with me, and it was just mm-hmm. it was you're lucky like that, like getting to work with good guys. And I never got to, I never worked with anybody that that hurt you or anybody that you know what I mean mm-hmm. took liberties with you anything like that. You always got, I always got to work with 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 good guys, be around good guys. And and it didn't matter you were doing jobs. It, it was easier doing that stuff than it was. I had worked a Saturday night show here in in Portland, sports trainer for fifty bucks, and the next day was a pay per view, and we were we were there in uh, in California, and then the Monday night was this was before Raw. Monday night was whatever their TV they were, they were taping, and I remember thinking we were making one fifty for WWF TV. And and hotel paid and trans paid and food paid all that stuff and I remember thinking this was easier just doing this than than the night before setting this thing up and I've, I've got who I worked with the night the, in Portland for fifty bucks I go I would do this every night of the week if I could mm-hmm. you know it didn't matter going putting guys all just just being a part of it you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's like all if right. you were if 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 if, if uh, you got on the Padres, you know, baseball team is the the bullpen catcher. Who mm-hmm. cares? You're on the San Diego Padres. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's something else to wrestling, too, is when you just know, when you know the guy's not going to hurt you, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I work with uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Never uh-huh. touched me. I mean, this, and these guys, they they could have killed me. If they right. you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Or, right. or if they didn't care, you know, like, who cares? Ne- Warlord. Never touched me, mm-hmm. you know. And it, I was like, "Oh my God, it's so easy!" And for the money, it was the money was so good for back for back then, for even now. But but uh, uh, I mean, it just so lu- it just felt so lucky. I was like, "Oh my God!" Right. So well, buddy, uh, we're gonna have to wrap up with you, brother. 
Zombie, thanks for having me on. BuddyWayne.net. If you're anywhere in North America and you want to get trained properly, BuddyWayne.net. Come on up. And Alex, anytime if you're up in this area, Alex, come on up. Hey, I, I need know, to, man. I need you to. You got a, you got an open invitation, buddy. Yeah, I, I think what what'll happen is when uh, Jeff and myself make our way up there, we're gonna drag Alex by his ear. He's you do. I'll come on up. Yeah, we'll have a good time. Hey, you know what? Alex missed out on the filming of the Ballards and the, and the Mike Mata shoot interview because he didn't want to come up, and oh, he missed come a on, Alex. time. So. Oh, you'll have a good time. You you have no choice. Now, yeah. uh, Alex, you you want to come back on? Uh, sure. Who are we having on next hour? Uh, we have uh, from NWA Virginia, Mr. Chris Escobar, on the line. So, uh, do, do you still have a uh, buddy on the line there? Yeah. Thanks. No, you guys. Thanks again. Thanks again for having me. And uh, and um, Zombie, thanks for everything you've done. You know everything hey, you've done. It's all good, brother. And uh, there are more things in the mail. That's all I got to say. Thank you, baby. Take bye, care, you guys. It. Thanks again. All right. You too, buddy. Right. Yep. Bye. Bye. That was my my favorite job guy ever, Mr. Buddy Wayne. I have on the line now from NWA Virginia, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Chris Escobar. How you doing, Chrissy? I'm doing all right, brother. How you doing? Oh, fine and freaking dandy. So uh, what's how's the weather? You know what? I have a question for uh, Mr. Escobar. How's how's the weather out in Virginia now that you've left uh, Southern California? Man, it's just as hot as it is there. It, it, it fucking sucks. <laughs> it's not as it's not nah, man. It's more humid here. Fucking L. A. and you know Southern California had like a really dry heat. Um, here, when you, you were know, training you up here, were, were you training up here, Jesse's, or what, what exactly? Were you yeah, doing? yeah, yeah. I came, I came to actually work with Dave Marquez and uh, okay. you know his, his uh, portion of the NWA, and um, he's affiliated with Jesse Hernandez, and so yes, I was training right. there for quite some time. Who who was doing the training at uh the Jesse school? Was it uh, um, a NWA class or were you with Jesse's class? I, I was uh well the NWA class was almost non-existent when I came. Um, T.J. Perkins would oh. come down every once in a while, and you know we'd do a little bit of training, but it was usually uh um Jesse Hernandez's and uh, I forgot the guy's name that did the training. Damn it! Was it Brandon uh, Nitro? Uh, uh Brandon Gaston. Yeah, Brandon Gaston. Brandon Nitro. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as I remember, because uh, TJ, I used to train with TJ a little bit up here, up in uh, LA at the AWS store. And he he's was freaking incredible, man. AWS. What's that? I said he's freaking incredible. Oh, um, oh my goodness, is he? I mean, uh, yeah. he, I remember one day during uh, I was training with him. I've been training. I only trained with him a handful of times. But I remember one time I trained with him, and then uh, I kept calling him sir because I, I came up, and, that, and that's just the way I, you know, yes sir, no sir. Yeah. And then uh. He he got mad at me. He's like, "Why do you keep calling me sir?" And I was like, "Well, you know, you're uh, you're teaching me. That's just the way I was taught." And he was like, "How old are you?" And I was like, "Well, I'm a uh, I'm 23." And he was like, "Well, uh, when's your birthday?" And I said, "October." And he's like, "I just want to let you know I'm a month older than you." And then uh, I almost I almost would have wanted to punch him in the face, you know. I know TJ would have just took me down and beat the crap out of me. Wow, it's etiquette, man. That's etiquette, man. You know, and a lot of the old school guys still believe in it. So that's proper etiquette. Oh, yeah, but he's never been as young as he is. Goodness Christ. Yeah, yeah, he's got a hell of a future ahead of him, man. Here's my TJ story. Um, A a few weeks ago, uh, TJ was up here in Northern California with the Ballards working for Big Time Wrestling. And after the show, uh, Jeff from Wrestle Warehouse and myself, we filmed a shoot interview with the Ballard Brothers, and uh, TJ was rooming with them. And 
<clears throat> you know, we're sitting there talking, you know, back and forth, back and forth, and, and we got to UPW, and I brought up, you know, working against TJ and, and saying that TJ, you know, is an up-and-coming worker. And yeah. And <laughs> on a tape chain, he calls me an asshole. He calls me an asshole. I'm like, hey, bro, you know, you're only, like, what, 23? He says, yeah, but I've been wor- working since I've been 16. Yeah, so, that's uh, it. You know, so I was like, oh, I'm sorry, bro, I, I didn't mean to insult you, or, you know, I, I really didn't. You know, because now, not only not only that, not only that, but he's already traveled more places than most indie guys have. Oh goodness, Razzy! You know, I you mean, know? Uh, I, I don't understand why Ring of Honor won't take him in because I mean he's better than a lot of the guys. Watch the East Coast. I mean, no offense to you. I mean, because you're out there on the East Coast and you you might feel the same way. You might not want to say it. But I've watched a lot of the East Coast promotions out there. My God, do they use some garbage guys? Yeah, there's for for every one good worker here, there's. So many that are just the drizzlings, man. That have never oh, really man. been trained, and you know, I don't. Oh my God, they don't even understand one lick about the damn business. You know, one of my one of my favorite East Coast promotions out there, Shakara. I love I love a lot of Shakara. I'm I'm watching this year's. I've watched every show this year from Shakara. Man, awesome. I love it. But I mean, for their big shows when they start bringing in guys, mm-hmm. Quackenbush brings in some of the garbagest guys from out there in the East Coast, and I'm I'm just saying, you know. Is there was there no one better you could find than this guy? No, man. You know, you know that's that's kind of the, one of the problems here too. Like it, it's been frustrating me a lot about like not necessarily the East Coast because I can't speak for the whole East Coast, but like the Middle Atlantic. Right. There's there's so much good talent here that just nobody sees, and then you've got all yeah. these big promotions up and down the East Coast that don't even acknowledge anybody around here, and they they like you said they put garbage onto their shows when there's fresh good talent that. You know, they have the bodies, they have the looks, they have the talent, they cut promos, they can entertain, and they still don't get booked anywhere. They're stuck in the mid-Atlantic. doesn't make right. any sense. Um, Chris, I think I have one of your homeboys on the line. Call it from the 252. Who am I speaking with? That's uh, It's either one. They're both in 252. It'll be either uh, Damian Wayne or Sean Denny. It's Damian Wayne. How you doing, Damian, Damian Wayne? You know what? I have to say this about Damian Wayne. is Adam Pierce. He works for my friend Jeff over here at SoCal Pro. And then every time Adam cuts a promo, he won't cut a promo on an upcoming SoCal Pro show. He'll always cut a promo on an upcoming match with you. How many times uh, have you worked Adam Pierce? I've worked him twice. The last yeah. time we went a legit 60, hour, uh, 60 minutes. Oh, I, I, I heard about that, that match. DVD. I need that fucking DVD. <laughs> Everybody needs that DVD. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it it was a, 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 a awesome match. I mean, I, I I could I can't put put Adam over no more, and, and words can't describe. He's awesome. Well, He's awesome. Adam's the indie MVP for 2008, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I be. mean, and and that's not that's completely ignoring his ROH stuff because that stuff is completely different than everything else. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I've never seen Damian Wayne work, but I'm just saying out here in oh. San Diego, I've seen Adam take guys who had no business putting on the kind of matches. That, I mean, not saying the guys were bad, whatever, but I've seen guys putting on matches that they had no business to be putting on in the ring with Adam Pierce, and it's just for for people not to say Adam is as good as what he is. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure I know. it out. I know with our 60-minute match, it, like I said, second time I've ever worked him, second time I've ever met him, and I think we called one spot. We didn't even know the, how we were going to do the finish until it was time to do the finish. 
That's fucking awesome. How, how many how many times do you go in there and then you how, how many guys would you feel confident going in there working a, a fifteen minute match like that with? Uh, like Esco says around here, there ain't many. <laughs> I mean, there's some guys that can work, but when it comes to putting on a match any length, 30 minutes or more, there's not too many around here that I would feel comfortable doing. And Esco is one of them. I, I, me and Esco could probably go in there blindfolded for 60 minutes and, and know what, what we're doing. I mean, it's some guys around here can do it, some can't. Right. It's just Adam. I mean, Adam Pierce, for him not to be getting the attention that he's getting, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a travesty because he's one of the best workers. It'll come to him, man. It'll come to him. Because, yeah, you know, you know was, certain things, one, one of the things about workers like that is some, he doesn't get appreciation from people until people work him, you know? You don't realize how good he is until you work him. You know what I mean? I haven't worked him, so I'm not speaking from experience. Do what? A lot of the marks will never get an opportunity to work them, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that, that's a damn shame. They should. I think one of the things that holds Pierce back is he is so old school in his mentality and his work that, you know, the, the marks today want you to go out there and kill your freaking self. <laughs> they don't understand. They don't understand. Are you serious? W- w- they're, they hey, they love his shit. I mean, I've seen every match he's had this year, with the exception of last month's, and from San Diego. And this, the crowd, you know, they just go ape shit for the for the old school heel. And it, you know, he he does you know fucking eye pokes and, and eye gouges. You know, and, and let me let me tell you let me tell you this. Did you see the Scorpio Sky match where Chris Escobar might be familiar with Scorpio Sky because I know he spent some time out in California, but he you? went five minutes without taking a bump. What? He didn't bump Scorpio either. He went five minutes where neither guy took a bump, and the crowd was into it. Yeah, that, that's there. You go. That's how our sixty-minute match was, pretty much. I mean, we didn't. I mean, we didn't do a lot until later in the match, but they were into it from the start to the finish. I was totally shocked. I mean, I was you, marking you guys, out. You guys on. did not. You didn't lose the crowd. No, not at all. Not wow. at all. That's a testament to both of you. I mean, because um, we no, did. No, I, I say. Uh, I, I just want I just want to make this point. What what's it mean when you don't lose the crowd? Because some people think you lose the crowd if they're not if they're not clapping or if they're not doing something. My opinion is you you haven't lost the crowd when they're not taking the piss break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we I could literally look out in the crowd and it was like everybody that was there was watching. And right. We we didn't. I don't. We didn't do no rest hold, um, rest spots. I mean, our rest. Spots was I was the face, of course. I, you know, somehow he ends up on the floor arguing with the crowd. That was our rest spot, and so we always <laughs> kept it. Always kept the crowd into into the you know the. I mean, yeah, he's like, kept it, going back just, in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we and we took him on the roller coaster ride. We we did the. You know him jawing with the crowd, and you know a couple seconds later, boom, there was a big bump. I mean, it was you know we kept him on a little roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. How's that different, Damien? Uh, when uh, I know we got Chris Escobar here as a guest, but I know Damien, you've done a couple of shots for Ring of Honor now, and I know your first shot you did a you did a four way match. And uh, how is it when you're when you're working with someone like Pierce? Uh, the first match, and then the second match, we went an hour. 
and then you're working one of those four man matches where uh I mean you know just high spots or how how's uh what what match would you rather work personally? Um, well, it's funny you ask that because that ROH was a Friday night, and me and Pierce's hour match was the very following Saturday night. Oh wow! So it was wow, yeah, it was totally. I mean, not yeah, exactly. I mean, I I'm the type. I'm not too good on sitting in the back and calling out a whole match and then going out there and trying to do it. I am more of on the fucking fly. Right. And it's, they, you know, for one, I didn't want to, how how do you want to say it? I didn't want to make it seem like I was the local guy trying to go and upstage them, so I was being tentative and nervous. And then trying to be in, I mean, all four of us had places we had to be at this certain moment to ask. I was, I'll tell you, guys, honest truth, I was totally lost. And I was, I, I was, I mean, I was getting told to finish as I was walking up the ramp to go out through the curtains. And, right. I mean, I had a blast, but I, I clammed up big time. And I wish I wouldn't have because, you know, they got me back and they were talking to me and telling me this and that. And, you know, I was like, all right, damn, let's go out there and redo it right now. Shit, you know. But and then the very following night with Pierce, it was like every time we got together to talk, we started telling stories instead of talking about the match. And like I said, we had we had a little dusty finish at the end, and it had to come down to the timekeeper doing the ten, nine, eight. Well, the timekeeper started at ten, and we were like, okay, how are we gonna do this? And by the time he hit five, it was like, boom, we did the little spot, and it worked out to perfect to the team. Mr. Wayne, before we continue, um, I have a message from Adam Pierce himself. He says, thank you for the match, and he wishes he could be on, but he has a flight this evening. He's got ROH this weekend. So I had to pass on that message. I I told the champ I'd do that for him. Uh, Awesome, awesome guy. ROH is in Virginia too. Just to yeah, let yeah. You know that. He's, co- he's coming to Virginia Friday night, tomorrow night. Oh, there you go. Go on out and have a couple of Pierce Weisers, and you know all will be good. Yes. So, um, yes. Now, was this match filmed? Yes, I I, I personally have it on DVD. Oh well, shit! <laughs> Please and share. I think, I think I, I I'm not sure. It should. Wrestling be Power has it, don't it? Yeah, Wrestling Power's got it. I know they, um, who's that guy? Um, uh, what's his name again? I don't remember. Uh, uh Dave Lane and Tim Knoll. Tim Knoll, yeah. Jeez, yeah, Tim, Tim and I go Noel. way, way, way back. Yeah, yeah, he's got, back in the day. Jeff yeah, Cole should have it too. footage back in the day. I mean, uh, Virginia, old Virginia wrestling with Jeff Colette as a member of the Midnight Express. Yep. See, that that's as yep. far back as I go as far as the, your area. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm Jeez. pretty old school myself. Well, you what what are your influences, Mr. Wayne? Mine, uh, I grew up other in than, the '80s. Other than Adam Pierce, <laughs> I, I, I am a a huge Tully Mark. I think Tully was the greatest heel ever. And, uh, who was your, who was your, what was your favorite Tully Blanchard, Mark? I'm just saying that because I'm a huge Tully Blanchard fan myself. Uh, there's no one in particular. I mean, Tully, from 
the first day I saw him in Southwest and when he came to Mid-Atlantic, I mean, it was just, I, Tully's the greatest. I mean, every, every time I saw him work, he, he, he made you believe. That, mm-hmm. I mean, he made you want to, you know, literally stab him because he was just such a prick and brat and everything else. <laughs> and, and work-wise, I mean, you, you watch his matches, he, he doesn't do much. And I watched his shoot, and the, the comment that stood out was talking about Ricky Morton, and he was like, if you can't get over beating up Ricky Morton and getting the crowd behind him, then you can't do nothing. And he was like, <laughs> he, he made a good point about, you know, heels and putting the heat on a, 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 a face during a match. You know, you get out there and you got a heel that does a damn 15-minute heat spot and maybe gives the baby one comeback. He says, I did enough heat. He, he, he said, I beat up Ricky Morton just enough to get the crowd pissed at me, and then I let Ricky come back and the crowd goes nuts. Right. But, I mean, he he's just, psychology-wise, I don't think there's anybody better. Maybe Jake maybe Jake Roberts close behind, but psychology-wise, there ain't nobody better. Well, what, what's your favorite Tully match ever? Mine, mine My favorite. Match with Magnum, but... Um... I wouldn't say that's my favorite, but it was one for for as simple as it was, it was brutal as hell, I tell you that. But uh I don't know I could probably I would probably say the best match people I enjoyed him really working was Steamboat because then he, it brought out his technical ability. Maybe Steamboat or Wyndham. Because I wait, I rate Wyndham second as one of the as the best worker in the, ever in the business, and you know mm-hmm. you put them two, you put two workers like that together, you can't ask for a better match. Well, that's two I, out of the four. Um, me personally, was any time him and Arn got it were a tag team, especially in the NWA. My goodness, I mean him and Arn as a tag team were just on a different level, and I don't I don't think they quite get the the notoriety that they deserve as an all-time great tag team, because, my goodness, no, they, they, don't. They, they, they were fabulous. Even on, even on house shows, and in 88, when they dropped the titles in Philadelphia, there is a handheld the of it out there. The, yeah, against the Midnights, there is a handheld out there. And they know this is their last night with the company, but they still go out for 15 solid, and they go out and they work hard, and they knew they were leaving. Yep. You know, they were they were bitter as fuck, and they, they were, you know, like, Whoa, you know, they were just ready to go. But once they stepped into the ring, that was their place, their time. And that that's what's important to you boys. You know, when you get in the ring, you know, nothing else matters. It, yeah, it, you're in there. You're, you're the artist with your paintbrush. You know, I mean, you don't have bills. You don't have your wife nagging at you. You don't, you know, you don't have none of that shit. It's just you in the ring. And... Uh, you guys have that outlet, which the three of you get in the ring. I don't, damn it. My outlet is the radio show. But other than that, you know, it keeps me sane. But uh, what are your feelings on, on being able to go into the ring and, and express yourself, you know, as an artist? The one thing uh, I have to say about that real quick is that, uh, just re- real quick before the other two elaborate further, is that uh, it was the office that was fucking over uh, Arn and Tully. It wasn't, it, wasn't the, it wasn't Stan or Bobby. So I mean, you right. you owe it to Stan and Bobby to go out there and you bump for them and then you feed for them and you go out there and give give the best match you can because I mean that ain't Stan and Bobby out there fucking you over and that's the same thing with a with me I mean I'm not as 
far down the road as, you know, uh, Damian, Mr. Damian Wayne or uh, Mr. Chris Escobar. But, I mean, you go out there and you're bumping your feet with a guy because, I mean, even if, like, in my early stages, if I know I'm not going to go out there and get paid, that's not that guy's fault. You know, that's that's the fault of the promoter for not drawing the house, for not publicizing correctly. I go out there and I owe it to him. <laughs> Ray Mysterio Sr. has to get all the money. That's not that's not my fault. You know, that's the fault of, you know, whatever. You know, I go out there and you still you – still, it's between you and that guy, you know, because you might work that guy in a couple of months, you know, and he remembers, you know, oh, this is a guy that uh, didn't want to make me look good. Okay, I got him today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. Uh, what, what are you some of your thoughts on that, Mr. Uh, Damon Wayne and Chris Escobar? Jump on in, guys. Well, Dude, the I question know. you asked? Yeah, Wayne. Yeah. All right, I, the way I look at it is, I could care less if there's five people in the crowd or 500. You'll never see me half-ass it, and I can't stand people who do. And it's my objective, and it's not a big-headed way, but my objective is to go out and steal the show. I don't care who I'm wrestling. I don't care if I'm curtain-jerking. I don't care if I'm main eventing. I'm, I'm there to steal the show, and that's not putting me over because the way I steal the show is putting my opponent over and putting the match over. It ain't got nothing to do with me. And I'm happy you clarified that because that was something we covered in the first hour is that a lot of people out there say that, you know, in the locker room, like, I'm going to go out there and steal the show. And then I don't quite understand what they're saying when they get that across because are you if, – if you're the heel, are you trying to get yourself over or what's that mean? Because, I mean, like what you said, I mean – Stealing the show, stealing the show means – stealing the show means when those marks are walking out the building, they're still talking about your match. They forgot the rest right. of the game. That, exactly. It's like I've told people, it's like it has nothing to do with winning or losing. It's a work. I said, you know, what I say is I want people to see a flyer, see an advertisement or whatever, and be like, hey, dude, there's wrestling over here, so-and-so, so-and-so. Hey, Damian Wayne's on there. You know it's going to be a good match for me if you see You know, that's what I want to hear. I don't care if well, Damian's won this belt, Damian's won that belt. He's been here. He's been there. He's beaten so-and-so. He's lost. So, I, dude, I will go out and lose every match as long as my match is good. I could care right. less. And it's like I, I'm a promoter down here. I mean, a booker down here for a company. And I got up in the middle of the locker room, and you can ask Chris this. I mean, I looked at guys who've been in the business 20 years. I've been in the business six. I looked at guys being in the business 20 years. I looked at my trainers and everybody like that, and I said, dude, if y'all just – have what if y'all just go out and bust your ass and try to steal the show like I want to do every match? Then every match on my on this card is going to be awesome. If you just go out there right. and put the effort and don't half-ass it, you know. I mean, you're in this business for a reason. You must love it because nobody wants to get beat on and bruised up and hurt unless you fucking love it. Right. So go out there and act like you love it. And, I mean, I've been to places and places outside of, you know, different states and stuff and being told, hey, you're going to work this guy. And it's like, all right, I'm freaking marking out because I've heard so much and seen so much on the Internet. And then you go there and the guy's like, well, there's like 20 people out there, so we'll just keep it real simple and just do this. I'm just like, dude, I could care less if there's nobody there, but it's my chance to work you and I want to freaking work. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now, um, for those that are listening, uh, we're, we're still giving away a prize pack from my sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. If you can answer this trivia question, who won the New Japan IWGP League in 1985? Once oh, again, man. who won the New Japan IWGP League in 1985? No one on the phone today won it. Three four seven two one five seven nine four six. Um, I'm going to give you an Eddie Guerrero in New Japan DVD, a Mystico mask, and the archives of all of our Rubber Guard Radio shows. <clears throat> awesome, awesome. <clears throat> okay, so, uh, Mr. Mr. Wayne, is there anybody um, anybody in the States that, that you would like to work that you haven't? Uh, there's two guys top of my list, and that's Roderick Strong and Austin Aries. I want to work them so bad it ain't even funny. How about Brian Danielson? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably put him number three, but I've just, I mean, every, like Austin Aries, you know, I, I saw a, a lot of his Austin star crap on TNA and didn't think much of it and then went and saw my first late show and was totally blown away by his work. I was just like, you know, it's, it's, that was night and day right there. And ever since then, I've wanted to work him. And then going to FIP every, you know, on a constant basis, I see Roderick all the time, and it's it, he's just he's awesome too. I mean, it would just make my day if I could work either one of those. How about you, Chris? Um. Man, I want to work everybody. Is there any, anybody in particular that really sticks out that I'm just dying to work? I just want to work everybody. <laughs> I don't care who. If I haven't worked you yet, then I want to get in the ring and I want to work. The only way to get go. better. Yeah. Alex, how about you? Um, you. No, there's some guy that's not going to hit me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Tremendous, tremendous. So, uh, Damien, who broke you in? Uh, who were your trainers? Uh, Preston Quinn and Phil Brown. Is uh, Preston Quinn still around? Yes, sir. He sure is. Oh boy, yeah, he's still around. Yep. And yep. that's that's a that's a name from back in the day. I mean, that's you know he's old, quote unquote, old school indie out in that yeah. area. Yeah, he's been around for a while to be so young. I wish I God I would have died to start it when I was that young. God. Okay. Any other questions for Alex? Excuse me? Any questions there, Alex? Oh no. Were you were you not going somewhere with that question or was that it? <laughs> no, it was just, just <laughs> I mean how how is it out of Virginia? Because you know, uh out out in the Pacific we had a uh, Buddy Wayne the first hour from Pacific the Pacific Northwest, and he's got he's got Matt Bourne out there and Len Denton, and he's got all these uh, old school, you know, real good workers. I mean, uh, who who in Virginia are the, the the good guys that really you know took you up under your wing? You know, either either guy can answer this question. Yeah. Uh, the, the top guys, I'll, I'll name what I think the top guys are in the area. You have I consider myself one of the top guys. You have Danny Wayne, you have Sean Denny, Rex Sterling, Joey Sylvia. Um, Joey Sylvia, who I broke my leg against three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> um, um, Brandon Bailey would definitely be up there. Justin Quinn, um, who am I missing, Wayne? 
that's that's, that's it. About it. I mean, there's I mean, there's probably a few more, but um, those are really those are the main guys that you're going to see in just about every show within a few hour radius of any of us. What was so you came out here the, the California? Uh, how do you think that it improved you as a worker? Getting out of that area and going up to California and working with different guys. Well, well, I think we actually, we touched on this the first time I called in, man. The the mid-Atlantic area and the the people who train on the East Coast, they're not exposed to as many different wrestling styles as what you have on the West Coast. You don't have as much Lucha Libre and Japanese-style wrestling. Um, So to train in those two different styles is is like a whole other world. You know, you learn so much from every single buddy. And then the quality of the production um, on the West Coast was a lot better than what we have here in the Mid Atlantic. And just learning well, what, from the what company was that? Um, well, they, just what Dave Marquez's was the product. Company? What's that? What the the production what of the show? The, the show itself. What's that? I said the show itself. As far oh, okay. as what's what, put what, into what the, the what's put into the show. show? Um, well, just Jesse's wasn't bad. Uh, but I was talking more Dave Marquez's. Um, I know oh, he was trying yeah. to run a, you know, a TV deal or whatever, so it's going to look a little bit better. But, you know, right, most people right, around right. here don't really put in a whole lot of effort into running their shows and, and making them look like a wrestling show opposed to a ring in a building with some workers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> I got I to gotta say, uh, Jesse running the promos on the wall at the Knights of Covina. I don't, you know what I'm talking about? Uh Chris Escobar, you know. Yes, that, I do. I've I've stood <laughs> there and done a couple myself. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, those are those are some classic promos I've seen on uh, that wall at the Knights of Covina. I swear, for Jesse to get that, I mean, uh, for Jesse to get that house, because I mean, uh, you know, that's right there in L.A. Where like, you know, Gorilla is the only company that really draws up there. You know, they'll draw. Right. You know, Jesse does wonderful, there. man. Oh, but Jesse yeah. and Covina, my goodness. And, for, and he runs so often. Awesome. The reaction that Bino Gambino got when he walked out? Yeah, Bino's over, man. <laughs> he looks like freaking it. Hogan in 85. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you got freaking the Young Bucks. They pop like the Rockers used to. I mean, oh, yeah, man. He's built, he's built that place into something special, man. People yeah, always be loyal. to always come. It really has. It's yeah. like for all these companies thinking that you have to, to follow the trends, for Je- I mean, just go to a Jesse show at the Knights of Govina, and then it'll just show you that, you know, if you put on consistently good shows in a consistent area over a consistent period of time, it's all about consistency. Yep. But if you if you do it consistently, then you can build up a real good fan base. Because, I mean, the, the couple of shows I went to, he drew about 400 people at that, at that Knights of Govina, and my goodness, were, you know, were those guys for that one night in that one building, you know, were they over? You know, the Beanos, the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right, and and as you got to give Jesse also, like, one thing I noticed, he has a very loyal and very good group of trainees who do a lot of work for him. So, like, I mean, his houses, you have to contribute a little bit to, you know, his trainees getting out there and really actually covering the streets with flyers and, you know, helping right. getting the word out because they really do. They work their ass off on doing the legwork. Yeah, which is necessary. That, uh, about Jesse's guys is that I don't see him working – too many shows out here, and I, a lot of these guys are really good. I don't know if he's telling – I don't I don't know. But, I mean, the, the Ryan Taylors and uh, the Brandon Nitros, I mean, 
the brand probably a lot of politics there, man. Really good, and I mean, they could you know work any show out here they wanted to, you know. When, when the first week I got to California, man, um, one of the guys sat down and talked to me, and I was asking about Gorilla, and you know, I was asking about the different promotions out there. And what he had told me was basically, you want to go work for Gorilla and some of these other places, get in with the cool kids. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's probably more politics than it is work rate because I know Ryan, I mean, I trained with Ryan Taylor. That guy, he could go. You know, I could probably have a five-star match. Oh, absolutely. Brandon, absolutely. Brandon's freaking incredible, man. You know, for, right. I mean, he's a little bit thick, you know, and he's still doing all this acrobatic aerial stuff. And, you know, oh, they're absolutely. really, really good workers. So, I mean, it's it's just a matter of politics, man. How are the how 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 are politics out there on the East Coast? I mean, you mentioned politics, and I already know what you're talking about here on the on the West Coast. But I mean, how were uh, how big is the politics game out there on the East Coast in Virginia? I mean, the I think it's probably pretty. I think it's probably pretty much the same anywhere you go, man. I mean, you always have you know your group of guys who you know are always getting the bookings, and if you want to get booked, you know you get in with those guys or whatever. And I think every territory has the same bullshit politics. Some of them probably have a lot more drama going on than other places, but I don't think that we have too much of that going on here at all. Because I, I didn't see a lot of it there either. Because I mean, I was only there for three months, so I mean, right. I didn't, I didn't get into a lot, you know, in the three months that I was there. I was just really focused on training, man, working some new guys. Right, cool. right. Okay, I have on on hold. I have a Skype caller. Skype caller, whom am I speaking with? Oh my God! My name is Habib Moranga. I am pro wrestling terrorist, aka Master of the Disguise. Um, I am calling. I just want to know the East Coast is very bad with the politics. They all lie and make bullshit on it. But I must tell you, you are biting off of Tim Arson's gimmick, the zombie. You are a yeah, what a goof. <laughs> Tim Arson. Um, Tim Arson. The zombie from ECW. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Whack. <laughs> I thought it was a work for a second. <laughs> <What the> <laughs> <laughs> it might be in punk right now. <laughs> Actually, I, I think I think it was Terry Fierro up in Seattle. So fuck you, Terry. But all right, let's see. So, um, would you guys have any bigger shows coming up? In other words, are you going to be in uh, Charlotte for the Fan Fest in a couple weeks? Man, I was <laughs> uh, I was working. I was going to be working with Damian Wayne on Saturday, and I had Rex Sterling on Sunday. But now uh, Sean Denny's going to be taking my spot, and Denny and Sean are going to hook up on Saturday night, and uh, you know whatever on Sunday. I'm not sure what the booking is on Sunday, but I will definitely still be there. I was just supposed yeah. to go out there as a vendor, and I was excited for that, but Jesus. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, man. I mean, he's been doing it for about four or five years now in Charlotte. And, right. Uh, he, he did that one year in Maryland because uh, Charlotte wasn't available, but it's it's so much fun, man. It's what I look forward to every single year. And unfortunately, this year I can't work. It sucks, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm really so, looking forward to that. So, Chris, um, I, I, I spoke to you earlier in the week. And you said you had something to get off your chest. It was what I started with, man, about the Mid-Atlantic and how the talent just can they can't find exposure anywhere. And I was sitting back thinking about I think I was actually talking to Denny because we were thinking about shooting a uh, shoot promo or whatever and trying to get some some people to see it. But uh, you know, territory has the big promotion that's doing incredible DVD sales to get their guys over and. 
you know, they bring names from other territories to create, you know, a name value with their own guys. And I think that's something that the Middle Atlantic's missing. We don't have that big promotion that's doing anything to try to get their guys out there or even their product out there, you know. Um, right. there, there's nobody that sells DVDs. Have you have you heard of one company in the Mid Atlantic besides NWA Virginia? Absolutely not. And you've never seen yeah, an NWA no, Virginia DVD. On national base. I know what you're talking about. Nothing on national base. That, it, it's just so freaking frustrating, man. Because like I said, I mean, the talent is here. I mean, the talent is definitely here, but nobody's ever going to see them ever because there's just no way for them to see them. You know, you can get on YouTube and search a guy's name if you know the guy's name. But that's not going to do anything. Right. It's just so freaking frustrating to me, man. We sit back and we talk about it a lot that, you know, nobody's ever going to see us. And a lot of us are in situations where we can't just afford to up and travel and go to all these different places to try to get work. You know, like the kind of old school mentality was, you know, you want to get on with a company, you know, you show up to their shows, you try to get on. But you can't just, you know, take a day off work and go to the show with no guaranteed pay or anything like that when gas is $4 a gallon. You might have a wife and kids and this and that, man. It's just not as easy. And it's just frustrating as hell to me, man. You know, that, that's a big part of the reason why I went to California to begin with, man, because I'm, right. I'm sick of being stuck in the mid-Atlantic. Well, I have to, I have to say, man, even out here in California, man, there's there's so many guys out here that uh, I see working not only Jesse's shows, but working uh, my friend down here in SoCal Pro, Jeff. I mean, he books so many guys that, you know, should be ready for that net that next level, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. the next level is, you know, national independent exposure, you know, whatever it means. Yeah. But they're not getting it because they can't get whatever breaks, or, you know, they yeah. need. Yeah. I mean, and and a lot of guys. WWE shots. These guys have done, you know, big, bigger shows, but, I mean, they're still not, you know, breaking through the next echelon. So I totally understand what you mean. It's a drizzling yeah. shit, man. Sorry, and I wish I was in – the kind of the position I was when uh, I went out to California, man. I was able to just go, but, you know, it, it's it's just not like that, man. And it sucks because the only way to really get your name out there, man, is to be at those shows. Unless you have an incredible reputation. You come out of a training school where you were trained by fucking Shawn Michaels or fucking whoever, and, you know, you get this incredible push in your first match and, you know, whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's the only guys that are really doing anything, man. The guys that... Are, I don't know, man. It's just frustrating. I don't even know how to explain it. It just pisses me off. Well, we got like Brian Danielson, though. I mean, he had a guy. I mean, I mean, he's had a name pretty much since he graduated school. But I mean, it's almost like Danielson was probably like a freak occurrence. But I mean, imagine a guy like yeah, I, I can't uh, say anything like about Danielson. Man, but... Or somebody who wasn't ready for it when they first got it, you know, but then had to mm-hmm. fill in those shoes, you know. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's it's almost like you know. I mean, I'd. <clears throat> It seems like it'd be easier having that push from the gate, but then sometimes guys get those pushes out the gate and they're just not ready for it. And then, it's, uh, it's also a lot of politics too. Them, you know? It's also politics you're running the roads with. You know what I mean? Because I mean, this guy's gonna fucking get you on this show, and it's up to you to you know take that ball and do something with it. But you know you'll get right. your shot. And you know if you're not if you're not kissing everybody's ass in the locker room, ain't nobody gonna fucking do anything for you. It's fucking politics, and then the lack of any promotions around here actually trying to do something with the product. All right, well, it's on, like the terrorist called in and said, you know, politics. <laughs> yeah. On on that note, guys, uh, we're going to have to wrap up. Um, if any promoters would like to book either uh, Damian Wayne or Chris Escobar, how could they go about doing it, gentlemen? MySpace, front slash, Chris Escobar. 
Um, uh, B would be uh email and well, really really my cell phone is the best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> Call <laughs> me on the phone. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not much of on the internet, and I live out in the boonies. And right now, I don't have internet, so I couldn't even tell you what that damn thing is. Well, okay, what you need to do, what you need to do, promoters, is contact Chris Escobar, and he'll he'll play the middleman, and he'll take you know the typical Roland Alexander twenty percent per booking. So, no, fuck that. I want a spot too. <laughs> <laughs> a package deal. Matter of fact, I want to work Wayne on that spot. <laughs> that was, that was, that's what I was getting ready to say. Let us work each other on the first show, and we'll show you what we can do. Yep. All right, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. It was fun. It was uh, definitely my pleasure, and we'll have to have you guys on again. Thanks for having us, man. It was my pleasure, right, and thank you very much. Take Bye. care now. All right, that was uh, Virginia-based independent talents, Damian Wayne and Chris Escobar. Wow. Another show, Another show, wow. Another show. Woo. All right, well, do your plugs, brother, because we're going to finish up a little early. Um, for some reason, uh, you've, been, you've been drinking or uh, smoking. What, what is it? What was you always say? Medicinal purposes? If uh, it, brother. If you're into medicinal purposes and uh, you've been drinking and you want to use me on a show, my MySpace is uh, www.myspace backslash the insane. And... Uh, <laughs> NewWayProWrestling.com. Uh, that whatever, do it. man. Whatever. All right, Al. We'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, then. All right, brother. Thank you for your time. It was fun. All right. Well, I'm alone now. Uh, since no one called in for the trivia, the answer we have, who won the New Japan IWGP League in 1985? The winner was Andre the Giant. He defeated Antonio Inoki in the final. Okay, well, we wrapped up another episode. It was Indie-rific. We had Buddy Wayne from the Seattle area. We had uh, the world-famous Ed in San Antonio calling in. We had uh, Virginia-based independent workers Chris Escobar and Damian Wayne call in, which was, which was definitely fun. Um, be sure to check us out, uh, rubberguardradio.com, for the first 32 episodes of our archive. We need to get our site updated. Hear that, Jeff? Update the site. And the other half of the archives are at blogtalkradio.com backslash radio. You can get us on MySpace, myspace.com backslash radio. If you want to email me personally, kidzombie2000 at aol.com. Um, check out our sponsors, fogcitywrestling.com uh, for all the news on Fog City, and wrestlewarehouse.com. Uh, go out of your way to to uh, purchase the Michael Modest shoot interview uh, for 15 bucks. Great, great shoot. I I had so much fun uh, filming it and and uh, interviewing Mike. Also, the Ballard Brothers, which is a two disc set for twenty dollars. One disc is the interview. The second disc are bonus matches from SoCal Pro Wrestling. Uh, that's just good stuff. Get that at WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, Big D and the Super Friends, the newest member of the AngryMarks.com podcast family. Go to AngryMarks.com and just check out everybody there. they got a bunch of fun podcasts. Uh, let's see. Hold on just a second here. Caller from the 757. 
Hello, welcome to RubberGuard. How's it going? Groovy. Hello. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Sean Denny. Chris Escobar told me to call in. Oh, how you doing, Sean? How's it going? Sorry I'm late. I, uh, I'm on the road right now, so I just pulled over to give you a call. Oh, it's all good, brother. It's all good. We, uh, we've got a couple minutes to go. But So, um, <clears throat> other, than, other than Damien and Chris, uh, who, who are the, the guys that you just look forward to getting into the ring with in your region? Um, just guys like Joey Sylvia, uh, is really good to work. Uh, Pat Cusick, uh, Pat Cusick is about six foot four and about two seventy, but he can really go. Um, well, Rick Sterling forever. and the Hall brothers. So. Addy's been around forever, man. I mean, you know, not just TV stuff. I mean, I've I've seen seen him on tapes from ninety eight, ninety seven. You know, yeah, he's yeah, been he's, forever. he's been around, but he's real good. Mm-hmm. So, um. Are you are you working just in the Carolinas or, or are you branching out at all? Um, right now I'm working down in the Carolinas doing Virginia. Um so I work in the Ring of Honor show tomorrow. Oh cool. So where are you working? Um, no idea, just pre show. Oh, cool. Cool. So. That's good. You get a get a tryout match and you know. It it's all good. You know, at least at least you got booked. You know, yeah. they they get a look. Yeah, um, looking forward to and, it. Well, I, I I like the idea of that when they're exp- when ROH is expanding, that they're using you know local guys, you know just to to kind of get a feel of of what's going on down in down in that region, you know, and then it also gives the fans you know a chance to you know cheer someone they know too, so yeah. everybody wins. Yeah, it's, but, it's uh, really it's something they didn't they don't have to do either, so it's nice of them, you know. Mm, cool. All right, well, we're about to wrap up our show. Um, if anybody would like to contact you to book you, how do we go about doing it? Um, the easiest thing is on my MySpace. Uh, just look look up Sean Denny on MySpace. would be the best way to do it. And uh, thanks for having me on the radio show. Cool. We'll have to have you on again with the uh, with the other boys, and, and we'll work something out logistically. But uh, have, a, uh, have a safe match, brother. All right, thank you very much. Good luck. Goodbye. All right, that was Sean Denny the third of the three musketeers from the Virginia area. He has a tryout, quote-unquote tryout, or pre-show match tomorrow in Virginia for Ring of Honor, uh, which is pretty go- cool. Uh, Sean Denny's a really good worker. You guys need to go out of your way to see his work. Um, was it last year? I think it may have been last year. He he had a teardown match with uh, Damian Wayne that made a, Made a bunch of best of uh, 2006 comps and really good stuff. Uh, once again, WrestleWarehouse.com. The Michael Modest shoot interview is must hear. Uh, the Ballard Brothers must hear. Go out of your way and get that stuff. You can also get uh, Lucha Libre masks, T-shirts, a bunch of other stuff from from uh, WrestleWarehouse.com. And uh, also check out uh, SoCalProWrestling.com. You can get their DVDs at WrestleWarehouse as well. Um, anything from this year with Adam Pierce. Um, Adam Pierce has just been tearing it up all year in San Diego. Um, let's uh, play a song and then we'll head out later. How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Figure Four Daily. It is Thursday, July 31st, 2008. Yeah, whatever. Uh, uh.